Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? And we have a lot to talk about today. We have a lot to get into, including an announcement that I'm going to make at the end of this episode that is going to have some effect on this podcast moving forward. And so be sure to stay tuned for that. Coming at the very end of this episode, I will let you in on a little secret. Um, I want to talk about a lot of things today, but I'm going to talk about, first off, um, more of a serious note, but less about me and more about everybody else, I want to put that. Um, the vaccine, the coronavirus vaccine that's been going around, um, you know, the world and everyone's been getting vaccinated for the most part. There's a thread that Ben Rothenberg on Twitter, who is a freelance writer for the New York Times, and he's the host of a different podcast, but he reported that this was all coming out of Miami. And I want to give him credit for it. I know he's another podcast, but I want to give him credit for it because um, he did some big digging into some big interviews um, that have been happening around the world. And so he says, you know, the attitude and from this and also research that I've done since that, you know, some of these players in the WTA and ATP are kind of having conflicting views about getting the coronavirus vaccine. And um, it says that some of them, you know, aren't necessarily on board with it. And there's not a lot of tennis players that are, you know, incredibly eager about it. Now, he put he put a few quotes up, and there are a few quotes that I also saw that are from some players, including, let's start with Alina Svitolina. She said that she spoke with her friends about it, and she was going to get it, but then she spoke to her friends about it, and they talked her out of it. So she doesn't know if she's going to get it now. Um Andre Rublev said, if I can choose and I have the option to don't have the vaccine, I will not do it. Um, there's no reason, just the feelings. So he said not, he necessarily won't get it. Sabalenka, um, she said that she didn't want her family to get the coronavirus vaccine. Diego Schwartzman said, I really, you know, don't love the vaccine, you know, n- never, never, he says, which is, you know, their form of English. Sometimes it can get translated a different, different way. Um, he said, it's not a tradition in my family to get any vaccine. So not only the coronavirus vaccine, but he said, you know, she, he never gets vaccine in him and his family. Um, Naomi Osaka, however, said she will be getting one, um, when she's eligible. She guess, she guesses, she says, um, Ash Barty, she said, uh, I will do what they can to get the vaccine, um, saying as her family, they'll do what they can. Hubert Hercotch, who just had a big win not too long ago. In Miami, he says, I'm not planning to have the vaccine. Um, I'm so focused on planning for the tournaments, so there's no time to get it. He says, um, a, a lot of different things about this. Um, this kind of goes everywhere. And like I said, most of these people that are being reported and that I've seen are not necessarily for it. Now, there's a lot of arguments on both sides of getting the vaccine and not getting the vaccine, I think, especially when it comes to professional athletes. Now, people like Simona Halep, 
posted on Instagram and social media when she was getting the vaccine. So she was, you know, more out there towards it. And I think it was more of a public eye thing that she was getting in front of the public eye. I think the problem with how the vaccine's coming out right now is not not the vaccine part, but it's happening at a point where all these players are starting to play all these tournaments again. Now, personally, I have gotten the first shot of the vaccine. I'm actually getting the second shot not too long from when I'm recording this podcast, and I didn't have a great reaction to it. Now, I know a lot of people who had no reaction to it. I know some people that had a reaction to it. And for some of these players, I think where the nervous side might come in is having a really bad reaction to getting the vaccine that's going to leave them out from practicing or playing for a couple days and then gradually move back into it and pretty much restart their training process going into some of these tournaments, especially Monte Carlo is happening right now. Roland Garros is coming up next month, stuff like that. And I think that's what's concerning for some of these players. Now, I know some of them like Diego Schwartz and say they just don't get vaccines. That's another thing that I'm not really going to touch on because that's not my place to speak on. But I think as professional athletes, there are other professional athletes in other sports like the Timberwolves from Minnesota, for example, had like a vaccine clinic for all their players at once. Now, they can probably take a day off and be okay. But for professional athletes, especially that are your income is so reliable on you playing all of these tournaments, that can be a tough decision. And I understand where most of them are coming from. On the flip side... Getting the vaccine, especially in the sport of tennis where everybody travels so much, can open up a lot of opportunity, opportunity for fans to come back, opportunity for, you know, regulations and other restrictions to be pulled at some of these tournaments, I think. And so I, there's such a pull on both sides of this argument, and I completely get it. And it's such a hard time right now, like I said, for tennis players, because this part of their season was non-existent last year. And now they're starting to get into the really busy part of the ATP and WTA season. So to be out a few days can hurt. And the other thing, you have to get two doses. So maybe you're getting a Pfizer Moderna, you know, in Monte Carlo this week or wherever. And then next thing you know, you're going to be across the world the next time you're going to need a second dose. So it being two doses also brings in a challenge for some of these people around the world. Now, Johnson Johnson is one dose, but you know there's some complications with that going on right now with the CDC and FDA, some things to keep an eye on. But also, I just think there's a lot of challenges on both sides. And I'm trying to give you both sides of my argument. Now, I don't necessarily am going to take a side on this because to each their own, I believe. Um, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not in their shoes. I am not the one making the decisions and I'm not the one with important money and important points and important tournaments on the line. Potentially, if something were to, you know, you have to take a day or two off and not feel well, you know, it might throw you off for a while. So like I said, these are professional athletes and this is having to do with their body. And so their decision, like I said, to each their own, um, situations are situational and that's all I'm going to really say on that I just thought I'd throw my two cents in on some of them have been very outspoken on they don't want to get the vaccine I get that um but it's going to be a challenge moving forward and who knows some tournaments might you know if you got the vaccine you don't have to wear a mask around here anymore or you can have privileges to other you know, areas or you can have privileges when you come to these tournaments if you have the vaccine so you don't have to take these harder precautions. But if you don't have the vaccine, something might of that line could be happening or could happen at future tournaments. Um, but I know a lot of these players do want fans to come back. So 
there's definitely a challenge there, and there's definitely a, a very, very valid argument on both sides for everybody involved. Now, let's transition to some other big news in the world of tennis, and that is Tony Nadal will be coaching Felix Ogier Aliassime. Now, Tony Nadal is the former coach and the uncle, still current uncle, of Rafael Nadal, and he coached Rafa for so long, like so long, until he retired and decided to, I think, take on more roles in the Rafael Nadal um, academy down in Spain. So, but nevertheless, Tony Nadal, a great coach, had so much success with Rafa Nadal, and now he's going over to Felix Ogier Aliassim. Now, this was just announced not too long ago, and as far as uh, FAA's statement on this, he says, at the end of last year, I sat down with Fred, who's his other coach, and the rest of my team, my parents, I told myself that it would be good to get somebody who had been at the highest level of our sport, someone who had been where I want to go one day. So we approached Tony with the possibility to come to Mallorca to meet him, to train and to discuss. So we did. Now, Tony Nadal's side of this, he says, I'd already had chat with him quite a while ago and he left a good impression on me. Also, through my nephew, which is Rafael Nadal, everyone has always had nice things to say about him. When the idea of working together was put to me, I told him to come to the academy in 10 days so that we could get to know each other and to see whether whether to see whether what I had to say to him would be of use. Oh, okay. Um he said, you know, I'm still the director of the Rafael Nadal Academy by Movie Star and of course I've worked with my nephew, Rafael Nadal. I'm his uncle and I hadn't considered being with another player knowing that I have the chances as director of the academy to work with a player with huge potential is a challenge to me and in particular, it gives me satisfaction the challenge for everyone. Um, you know, FAA keeps keeps going to say, you know, from the first practice, it was great. Everything worked together. And I knew FAA had been working with Rafa, specifically in Mallorca and at the Rafael Nadal Academy. And they've been working together a lot. But I did not know that these two, Tony Nadal and Rafa, had been working together specifically. Or, or sorry, FAA specifically. So, but for FAA, I've said this on this podcast many times before. Um, FAA is one of those players who's really good on paper and he's not necessarily on paper, but when you watch him practice, when you watch him play, he has so much upside, but he just not yet doesn't have that it factor. And he just can't get over a hump of being, you know, good or really, really good. He's good right now, but he hasn't gotten really, really good or getting in elite status or getting in the great status even. And for him to get Tony Nadal, Tony Nadal has so much experience in the world of tennis and especially working with his nephew Rafa. And so for him to get in there and maybe he's going to practice with Rafa a lot now and that can only help you. And for him to be training in Mallorca, for him to be at the Rafa and Nadal Academy, this is a huge pickup, I think, for... Felix Ogier Ali Asim, and uh, it can only be positive moving forward in my eyes because there's no way this what this thing can go necessarily super negatively. If anything, if it doesn't work out that he coaches him, he's going to learn a lot while he's getting coached by one of the best to ever do it. That it just happens just happened to coach one of the best to ever do it as well. Moving forward, let's go to. You know, speaking of Rafael Nadal, let's go to Monte Carlo, the Masters 1000 tournament that just got underway. That tournament is underway, and there's some big news out of it. 
As far as Daniil Medvedev, he is not playing in Monte Carlo. He had a positive COVID test, and he was actually the two seed in this tournament. The one seed, Djokovic, two seed was Medvedev, not anymore. Three seed, Nadal, four seed, Tsitsipas, five seed, Zverev, six seed, Rublev, seven seed, Schwartzman, and eight seed, is Berrettini. Big names in this tournament. A lot, a lot of big names. Once again, Roger Federer is not there. That's to know, but I would be very surprised if he played clay court at all. And so Roger Federer not playing in Monte Carlo, but Monte Carlo, if you see pictures from Monte Carlo, by the way, side note, you'll never be disappointed in what you see. Anyway, let's moving forward. Yannick Sinner had a tough, tough draw as he played Novak Djokovic in the second round. He loses in straight sets. Goffin and Sverov keep moving on. Sitsipas moving on. It is currently in the quarterfinals, I believe. Round of 16, sorry. Uh, Batista Gu plays Rublev in the, in the round of 16. That'll be a really good match. Dimitrov plays Nadal. Should be a good match. Probably won't be a good match. Um, big upset. Casper Ruud ends up beating in straight sets Diego Schwartzman. That's big for him. And like I said, the... Um, two seed Medvedev is not in the tournament anymore. So he got popped out obviously early. So a couple good names to watch as we go on or as we go on with this tournament, Hachinov actually lost to Pablo Carino Busta. So there, I mean, there's just big names in this tournament. And I think it's worth watching to be honest. Um, it's on Fox sports a lot or Bally sports now. And I've been watching a few of it as the week has continued and Monte Carlo is such a good tournament. Moving forward for Monte Carlo, there is not just, there's not a whole lot of tournaments left. Um, I would say a whole lot of notable, notable tournaments left before um, the French Open. Now, in April, that is. May comes around. You have uh, Madrid. Then you have uh, Italy, the one in Rome. That's a Masters 1000. Those are two in a row. And then we jump into Roland Garros. Now, Roland Garros got moved back Um to May 30th until June 13th. That was later than it originally had been planned. Now, is that a big deal? Yes, it moves back a little bit, but now it's you know going to be even more shorter time until Wimbledon. Wimbledon starts at the very end of June. So, I mean, they're going to be within 15, 16, 17 days if they make the final to get ready for grass to get all the way to London and play a full Wimbledon. So, That'll be really interesting. Obviously, there's a lot to think of and a lot going on in the May of, or in the May of June, in the month of May and the month of June. Those those will be something to keep an eye on. I want to talk about one more thing um, before I get to the end of this episode, and it it has to do with this might be more of an American tennis thing, but I just I just want to throw this little dash in there. I saw this article. That, um, you know, although the sport of tennis in the ATP and WTA and the professional sport has taken a hit over the last year because of the coronavirus pandemic, the uh, USDA CEO, Mike Douse, he said there's been a tennis boom outside of professional tennis. He told Tennis.com this since, you know, the pandemic has said, he said, by no means it has been has it been an easy year? There's been challenges in our industry. But in the last few months, literally millions of people have discovered our sport and they're out playing tennis for the first time. Very good to hear for the sport of tennis. And even though it's not a professional news, it's good to see people getting more into it. That could, you know, turn into marketing dollars. That could turn into more people, you know, coming to the US Open, coming to other events, showing up, supporting the sport. 
And I think now is more crucial time than ever to get people to really support the sport because need money to go back into the sport to keep having a lot of these tournaments where they were, need more fans to be eager about coming back to these tournaments, as well as popularity for the sport, especially in the United States, has a lot of room to grow. And with more people getting interested in it, hopefully this grows the sport even, even more. And I'm excited for it. Last couple things here. I mentioned some of the tournaments coming up, and I want to mention those again. Um, between now and Roland Garros, some other things to keep an eye on. There's going to be uh, the Serbia Open. There's the BMW Open in Munich, Germany. There's an ATP 250s. Um, there's a tournament in Portugal. And then, obviously, Madrid, like I just mentioned, and the one in Rome. Those are at the beginning of May. And then that the same day Madrid ends is the same day that Italy starts in Rome, and that is on May 9th. And then Geneva Open in Switzerland, which Roger Federer, that's kind of his home open. Um, then there's France, there's one in Italy, and then it's Roland Garros. So a lot of ATP 250s, pair of ATP 1000s happening, um, and then pretty much Roland Garros. So Roland Garros, like I said, at the end of May this year. I also want to go through the top 10 currently. Number one, Djokovic, two, Medvedev, three, Rafael Nadal, four, Dominic Team, five, Stefano Tsitsipas, six, Alexander Sverev, seven, Roger Federer, eight, Andre Rublev, nine, Diego Schwartzman, and 10, Matteo Berrettini. Now, check out this 11 and 12. Batista Gut sits at 11 and 12 is Karina Busta. So they are knocking on the doorstep of the top 10. Maybe uh, Roberto Batista Augusto, who I talked about a lot last week, could maybe stretch into that top 10. He's just on the cusp of it, and he has a good few tournaments here leading up to Roland Garros. He could very, very well be in that top 10. All right, now to the point that I kind of teased earlier in this episode and some news I kind of want to get to as far as this podcast. Now, I've been doing this podcast for almost two years now, and I've been incredibly blessed to be with the Believe Podcast Network. I can't thank them enough. I've had so much fun doing this podcast pretty much on a weekly basis since then. Um, I'm coming up on about 70 episodes that I've done, and over the last couple months, I've really realized that I think it's time to take this podcast to the next level. I think it's time that you know I, I put a little bit more time into it, I put a little bit more effort into it, and I put a little bit more production value and not only production value, but also upgrade the look a little bit. Now, over the last couple months, I've been you know reaching out to a lot of people, seeing what I can do, what I can't do, seeing what guests I can get, what guests I can't get, and kind of see, feeling out what I'm going to do. Now, in order for me to fully express that and fully, I believe, take this podcast to the next level right here on the Believe Podcast Network, um, I'm going to take a little bit of time off from the weekly episodes. Now, I'm not going to take a time off completely from tennis. I'm not going to unplug and be like, I have no idea what's going on. I just need a break because I'm burnt out. That's not the case. I just think I need some time to you know, gather everything, exper experiment with different ways to work with this podcast, and then bring it back better than ever. And so my temporary timeline, and I want to shoot it straight with you because my listeners, you guys have been so great throughout this entire process of being with Believe, and I'm staying with Believe. I'm so happy to be with Believe. Um, but I'm, my temporary timeline is bringing it back right before Roll on Garrow. So that gives me about a month. And so that's going to be a few episodes I don't do, but um, 
in there, there's a few Masters 1000s, which I'll probably recap a little bit when we come back. But I'm going to ramp this thing up right before Roland Garros. That's going to lead us right into Wimbledon. That's going to lead us into the summer and eventually get us right to the U.S. Open. So um, hopefully we get some ramped up guests in that time. Look for a little facelift of the podcast a little bit. Look for... In every aspect, I'm really excited about what I'm going to be doing with this podcast, but I just have to let you know that in order for me to do this and in order for me to really bring a powerhouse to you, the listeners, and really take this podcast to the next level, I have to take some time, get all my ducks in a row, make sure everything works, get everything good, and then we'll go from there. So I just have to let you in on that secret. I got to let you know I want to be transparent with you, and that's what's going to be going on. I'm super stoked about it. I'm super excited about it. I'm super happy to keep podcasting and keep being, you know, the voice for the ATP tour here on the Believe Podcast Network. And I cannot wait for what the future holds of this podcast and, you know, of the world of tennis. And I can't wait to, you know, move forward with that. If you want to continue to follow me on social media, especially on Twitter at Jacob Sersosimo, I do tweet a lot about the tennis world. I share a lot of things, put my comments on a lot of things. So just because you're not going to get it here doesn't mean you can't get this information anywhere else, which is going to be on my Twitter page at Jacob Sersosimo. Like I said, I will keep you updated on everything that's going on. Like I said, I won't be unplugged. I just won't be plugged in exactly on this podcast for just a little bit. Not too long. It'll go by fast, trust me. But um, that's my big announcement today, and I wanted to make sure I was completely transparent with everyone about that one. Like I've always said, thanks for listening. Thanks for being so supportive of this podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. Stay safe out there, and as always, take care of you. Take care of your families. Let's get out of this pandemic in good health, both mental and physical. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.